Hey there, hey there, you're listening to This Podcast is a Bad Idea, hosted by Fru and Marth. Each episode, we have a different grab bag of pop culture quirks and goodies for you, with today's episode being on The Wonder Bread Guy. If you know, you know. So what's your podcast about? You're listening to... You're listening to... This is a bad idea. It's a bad idea. kittens and worm children welcome back to another episode of this podcast is a bad idea well podcast with the name that is still funny <laughs> it'll always be funny it is the one good idea that we've had yeah that's a uh, that's fru you're listening to and i am murph and uh we we Got a uh, a bit of an odder episode today. We wanted to test our limits for what we could get away with rambling about, but we're we're gonna set that aside for now. We're gonna put it in our grocery cart and actually start with uh, the decompress. Decompression time. Where we're just gonna shoot the shit for a bit about some some such and whatnots. Yeah. So I understand you you have some updates for me. Yes, yes. I can't remember which episode it was. I think it may have been the Scott Pilgrim episode. Probably. Yeah, I had started a, a thing of watching four old sitcoms, one from the sixties, one from the seventies, one from the eighties, and one from the nineties, and just sort of watching them in sequence rather than like binging a whole season at once you know trying to recapture that feeling of like programming blocks and uh, not having control over what episode of a show you watch the pre-streaming eras and i i have finished the seasons one of the adams family all in the family cheers and friends and i just wanted to give my my baseline thoughts on each adams family season one is not fantastic but i see (laughs) how it got the ball rolling it also woke me up to a thing at the very least in this iteration of adam's family because i'm always constantly curious about like why the adam's family does and doesn't work in various adaptations Mm -hmm. and in this one i can say that anytime it's like someone normal being forced to interact with the adamses those episodes are always boring okay because it's the same jokes right it's the same bit over and over yeah, they they wa they have to like they ring the doorbell. The doorbell makes a weird sound. Lurch shows up. They're like, "Whoa, that's a tall guy." They're brought into the living room. It's like, "Whoa, they have a stuffed bear and a and a mounted like swordfish that has a man's foot sticking out of it." And then then Gomez comes in. It's like, "Oh, my wife's feeding her plant right now." And it's just it's the same bits. They have the set. They're gonna use it. I I can see why that would be funny in concept. It's funny the first time. Morticia's plant, Cleopatra, her carnivorous plant that she feeds meatball, that's funny the very first episode that they do it. Okay. It is not funny since, because it's always the same joke of this plant eats meatballs. Right. Like, that would would get pretty stale pretty fast. Yeah, anytime it is the Adamses, like, the conflict is being born of the Adamses interacting with each other, that's always funny, and that better sells the joke of... They're not like other families mm-hmm. because of their reactions to things. Uh, like there's an episode where Pugsley is doing his like teenage rebellion, but he's like 10 
And he does it by, like, getting into Boy Scouts, and that's, like, traumatizing to Gomez and Morticia. Right, like, that would- (laughs) how dare you? I think there's one episode, probably doesn't age too well, but I laughed a lot, where uh, two, two Russian diplomats- are visiting the U.S. and they want to see a normal American family because they think the U.S. is like the their liaison is like showing them falsehoods about America. So they choose an address out random of the phone book, and it's the Adamses. Oh no! So they go spend the day with the Adamses, and they're like, re- their reactions to things are very funny because they like misinterpret things. Like they see thing, and they're like, all Americans have severed hand butler, and that's just amusing to me. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's a weird there's a weird line and I'm still like 50/50 whether I heard this correctly or not but they like summon Lurch in and the two Russian guys look at him and they go this Lurch he is Serbian and Gomez goes yes and I had to pause it and rewind a few times cuz I was like Lurch is they he's Serbian he's from Serbia like he's from somewhere yeah that w- also specifically Serbia yeah and I was like what is this never been? I was like on the Adams family wiki. Like, is will it say Lurch nationality Serbian? D- does it? Uh, no. <laughs> it says nationality Not unknown. Not canon. You heard wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else they could have said though. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're having like an accent performance mixed in there. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Definitely seems like it would not age well, though. Yeah. So of the first, like, the first season's, like, 25 episodes. Mm-hmm. Of those, I would say only, like, five are actually worth watching. And those are all the ones where it's, like, the Adams Family conflict is amongst themselves. No no normies are being brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the 70s show, All of the Family. I am basically at the same level I was that I was watching the first episodes. Okay. It's... It's just a very good series of two-act plays set in the Bunker household of the the old generation and the new generation being brought to conflict. You know, that can work. And it's very, like like I said last time, it's like, I'm just sort of watching it with, with mild interest for most of it, and then it like culminates in one punchline that knocks me on my ass. <laughs> The the season finale is is I think the funniest one of the the season. It's Edith Bunker, the the mom of the family. She invites some new neighbors over to dinner and neglects to tell Archie that it's their new black neighbors, the the Jeffersons. Oh, oh. and that also culminates in a very funny punchline <laughs> that I'm not going to spoil. Okay, okay. Now I got to go look for it myself. The episode before that is really uncomfortable. Oh no. You got Michael and Gloria. Michael's the son-in-law. Gloria's the daughter. Okay. And they're both in college, living in the bunker house. Okay. Uh, Gloria really gets into women's lib. Okay. And and uh, second wave feminism. And it's the one time Archie and Michael agree on something. They agree that women's lib is all bunk. Oh, no. And it's a really, like, it culminates. It, what, what the hell does Michael say? Ma- Michael's played by Rob Reiner. If you right, didn't know, this right, was like okay. one of his first things. Um, he's tall as shit, and she's like a quarter of his height. Uh. Um, but oh man, what is it he says? He says to like Gloria, "You and I, you know, you and I agree that women should be equal in the workplace, equal pay, equal like access to uh, build a career." Okay. But in the home, the man is the boss. 
And they're like shouting at each other and she leaves and then like comes back when he's like, I'm nothing without you, baby. But he doesn't like renege the horrible shit he says. It's a it's a really uncomfortable episode. Oh, that's awful. If you put your 70s like your 70s hat on, what were you supposed to take away from that? I I think it was meant to show that though Michael is meant to be like the liberal mouthpiece, he is not as liberal as you think and there are still like, you know, man is flawed. Yeah, he still has his inherent biases. Right. Which I mean, if that's the intent, that's the intent, but like the finale kind of comes across like like Gloria needed him. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Even though Archie Archie very correctly points out he needs her because she's the only reason that he has a house. <laughs> so I'll keep watching that. It's still making me laugh at the right times. At the right times. And you know, it's still, it's still, you know, interesting because, boy howdy, we do not get shows like this with these sort of subject lines. No, no, we don't. Cheers, I think, is the best of the uh, batch. I really like that. And part of that is I'm watching with my dad, who also has fond memories of Cheers. Hmm. It's just a really good cast of characters, and since it's all set in one location, it's set in the bar, it means that it's all about, like, the dialogue. Right, right. And how, like, the characters chime into each other's conversations. It has, the, the Cheers has the best character of the batch, which is a Coach, who is, like, the, the elderly, like, retired baseball coach. He's not stupid, he's just old and confuses easily. And he has all the best lines. Like, there's a bit where um, Sam, who is, like, the bartender, he's the owner, he's Ted Danson. He's about to, like, kiss a woman, and then uh, Coach, like, sticks a receipt in between them. And he's like, Sam, you counted this wrong. Ah. And Sam's like, Coach, we were about to kiss. And Coach is like, we were? Oh, can I, can I finish this up first, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. He has another... He has another good line where he's trying to uh, pick up a woman, and she's like, well, I can't just call you coach. He's like, well, you can call me Red. That's what they used to call me in the dugout. Because of your red hair? No, I read a book once. Okay. (laughs) Okay, that got me. And Friends is very digestible. Yeah, that's basically how I remember it. I don't know, like, maybe it's like season one jitters. Mm. Yeah, I still don't see, like, like the specialness. I'm still not entirely sure what purpose Joey serves. I don't think they know for a few seasons. I am very... Are, am I supposed to dislike Ross? Is this a <laughs> age-old debate? It's not really. A lot of people do not. A lot of people okay. find him to be really glib and okay. th- th- find him to generally be a weenie. Why does he have a monkey? Why did they decide on that? Uh, this is, he's an interesting guy. He's a he's a um it, he's a worse Ted in like okay, how I met your okay, mother. I, um like he's yeah. like a prototype of that character but like not quite nailing it yet. Mm-hmm. Where like he's kind of a quirky guy but we don't want him to be too weird. We don't want him to be eccentric. I think it's because I think it's cuz all of his season 1 plots involve him either pining after Rachel or being upset that he's divorced. Yeah, he, he th- that's going to be a lot of what he does. <laughs> oh, okay. He also has like a lot of bro moments, but again, like that's kind of more like Joey and Chandler territory. 
I do buy that these people are all friends, even yes. though I wasn't certain why why they hang out with Chandler, but I later got it. Okay, yeah. No, it's it it their chemistry really works. It's just man, sometimes <laughs> I forget, do we already <laughs> get like flashbacks to high school in season 1? No. Okay. <laughs> but it's digestible. It's watchable. It's digestible. You know, I'm still going to watch more. I am interested at the point. You know, what's interesting about this and Cheers Mm -hmm. is that I'm coming into these knowing that these have like 10 seasons and all this longevity and a legacy to them. Right. But watching season one with like, you know, them not knowing that. So it's like, okay, let's end. Let's resolve the will they or won't they tension on. This in the season finales, uh, and then asking myself, is this? They're just going to go right back to it, and it's going to be another nine seasons of this. Yeah, yeah, it is. Will they? Won't they? Had everybody in a grip in the nineties. We were very profoundly bored in the nineties. Water cooler talk. For want of conflict. What else yeah. were we gonna do? Yeah. The only other thing we had was Seinfeld. So you wanted to tell me about the worst dinner date you've ever had? I believe I said it was the worst date night. Because when you are in a partnership, that's what you do. It's date night. And I tried to be Okay. I tried to be a good, loving, think you know, thought thoughtful partner. My my parents asked, What what would your partner like for for birthday? And I was like, We don't go out much anymore. We like we used to go to the theater a lot. We used to love watching uh-huh. community theater. So my my loving parents gifted us season passes to the local theater. Local community theater. Very cute. Mm-hmm. And we, it, time for one of our shows came up this year. We have a schedule of six in this year's season. So we're on show number two. It was a comedy. I am not going to share the name of it because it took me halfway through the first act to realize after I looked at my program that this was an original piece. Um, Okay. I know you're... As in someone from, like, the production wrote it. Yes. I I know that you are a theater adult. Nay, theater Mm -hmm. kid. At heart. And I also had the makings of a theater kid in me, except our theater club intimidated me in school. You were in video production. Yeah. And that's the only place I felt safe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Your book freaked me out. I couldn't handle those people. No, the yearbook people are strange. (laughs) So we, um, this was a period piece. It was, uh, well, actually I should get before that because date night isn't just, isn't just, the show it's dinner and a show and so we went and we're like we're gonna go try the lovely local pizza place right down the corner where we proceeded to wait an hour for our pizza how much time did that leave you to eat before the show 15 minutes Okay, okay, I see, I see. <laughs> but it wasn't just that. It was like the 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 anticipation growing of, wow, there's there's really nobody at the restaurant. What's taking so long? You're a pizza place. That's really mm-hmm. weird. And then realizing that the steady stream of people running in and out are DoorDash orders. <laughs> ah. We've been allowed to order and just sit 
saying, oh, yeah, we're just stopping in. We have plans tonight. And I've just been allowed to sit and while away, wasting away, starving as we watch DoorDash orders run in and out of the store. And we get our pizza and it sucks. Ugh. Oh, no. There's nothing worse than shitty pizza. Oh, man. So you don't believe in the pizza scale? I used to. The only thing, the, the only bad pizza is a boring pizza. There was nothing but of I note. But I am a boring person, so all my pizza is boring pizza. I hardly believe, because if you have good... It, it wasn't made with love, Murph. The pizza was not made uh, with love. Ugh, it was horrible. Oh my god. We scarfed down our pizza. What kind of pizza was it? Uh, we got... Oh my gosh. So it's one of those places where it's like, someone's going to have to come in and tell me if this is if this is a proud tradition of Italian-Americans to open up your New York pizzeria and name all your dishes after notable Italian-American characters in popular culture. Like, they had a pizza called the Rizzo and Kanicki. I see. Yes. I don't remember which one we did because the whole menu is this. Did they have one for Mario? No. Movies. Think movies. And The Sopranos. And The Sopranos. Okay. Think movies and The Sopranos. That's it. Were they okay? But they they were all puns. Like they they were they were all like the no they weren't even puns. I have no idea what was going on here. We have our lackluster pizza. We scarf it down. We go amongst the stream of geriatrics streaming into the theater to sit down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is a period piece. Very successful, by the way, that you could tell that my partner did not realize it was a period piece until I told him afterwards. <laughs> this was okay. this is. I want so you to imagine. So it was not written in any any vernacular. No, this is the 2000s in the recession. But are we actually talking to anyone who's actually involved, affected by the recession? No, this is a story about rich people. My favorite, my favorite kind of show, a satire. Okay, so it's Rent. No, no, a satire starring rich people. Ah. Uh... And it's it takes place in New York. And we have shenanigans and schemes and and you are lured in with the premise that this is about like laundering and and embezzling. And it's it's not it's a lot of just relationship politics and a lot of weird girl bossing. And God bless the woman in the aisle down from me, because there came a point where two rich men on stage are like, let's make a wager. Whoever kisses the maid by Wednesday gets a hundred dollars. When we've already very clearly communicated to the audience that the maid is not into this whatsoever. She's actively running screaming from this kind of advance. The woman down the aisle from me audibly went, what the fuck? (laughs) When this happened. (laughs) And I was about to tell her, I agree. So is this a bit in the play or is this what the play hinges on? There. This was one of many threads. It's episodic. No. (laughs) (laughs) This is... I didn't even want to read the rest of the playbill. My partner did, and he was like, yeah, no, she wrote this during... I was like, the pandemic? He was like, yes, the pandemic. Where all of us were not working, and many of us found our creative strengths, and many of us got to try new things. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It's so I walked out of there with two takeaways. I got dressed up for this. And also, I haven't heard anyone try to 
seduce a friend into engaging in crimes with promises of vacationing on a tropical island with, quote, wahinis coming towards them with poo-poo platters. What's a wahini? It, it, it is a Polynesian woman in my AAPI month! <laughs> I see. So... They tried to make... And this the- was written by a woman? Yes! <laughs> The most, oh goodness, I had so many questions. My main one was why. My second one was how many workshops did you have? You needed a friend. You you needed a friend to tell you no. Because there was a story in here, I bet. I bet there was a story in here. But I haven't seen a story take that long to end since the first time I watched, like, the Battle of Helm's Deep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just kept going and going, and going, and then at the end of the story, it was the Russians all along. I I see. They're here for our Serbian lurches. Yeah, apparently. I don't know. It was... I got all dressed up and had terrible pizza for this. Oh my god. It was... Has this, has this put you off uh, community theater? No. No, no, never. Okay. I that's, have. That's the good news. Part of my villain arc is that I have watched my hometown do South Pacific with an all-white cast. I see. If I end up on the news someday, this will be part of my manifest. <laughs> Community theater is brilliant and wonderful and raises so many boundaries that a lot of people have in accessing art. But it also creates room for this. It is always more popular than you think it is. Yes. You know, you you think of like community theater because it's depicted in movies and TV as being like really rink-a-dink. And Emma Stone can't get anyone to come see her one-woman show in La La Land. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? Every community theater thing I've been to or community concert or what have you has always been packed. Packed. Whether it is with like... The community old people, which could mm-hmm. be they need things to do in their in their old age and with their friends. They, they, it's a great thing to do. Give back to the community. But also, like, kids. It's a great thing for kids to do growing up. Well, I'm feeling mightily decompressed unless you have a little more air in you. No, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to show and tell me things. It's time for the show and tell? Mm-hmm. Okay. Show and tell time. So... So glad I remembered this. Oh, no. Today's show and tell will just be me, as Fru has control of the wild card. All right. So last last episode, I brought up one of my favorite subreddits uh, called r slash that happened. Oh, no. For fake true stories. And I remembered, and this is in line with the episode theme. Oh, no. Uh, there is a there's a notorious character of r slash that happened. No. We don't know who he really is. He has not been doxxed, you know, which is a good thing. Always a good thing not to dox people. Mm-hmm. But we know him under the title of Shiverbert Creepstein. Uh, Shiverbert is a writer. If he is published, we do not know. But he does these Facebook posts where they they just piss me the hell off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to read you a few. Okay. Okay. And these are pretty short, so... And you'll notice very right away, very particular, how this guy writes. Okay. And how he wants to present himself to the world. Yeah, the Lightbringer is here, shouted the girl at the cash register. 
it had been discussed earlier this week that I'm her favorite customer, because when I show up, they know they only have an hour to go until they close. I love being able to bring the light. I laughed, outstretching my arms. I ordered my latte and stood to the side. You know, Lucifer means light bringer, said the older gentleman, putting some sweet and low in his iced tea. <laughs> or morning star or bringer of the dawn, I smiled. Wow. And on Good Friday, even, he grimaced. <laughs> I don't mind the Lucifer comparison, honestly, I smiled. I had just been talking to co-workers about this. Why is that, young man? Because I've experienced no greater joy on this planet than punishing the wicked, <laughs> watching wrongs be righted, watching evil suffer, and watching love prevail. Well, have a good holy weekend, you godless heathen. May the Lord be with you, he said, leaving with tea in hand. And also with you, I cheered with my latte, in hand and a smile. Et cum spirita tu. I keep forgetting it's Good Friday. I need to give Jesus Christ Superstar a spin. How'd that make you feel, Fru? I feel more sick than I did this morning. So that's... <laughs> that's the baseline. That, that's so, the baseline. So immediately, some themes get established. People randomly talking to him, making comparisons to divine or otherworldly figures, his relationship with cashiers. Most of these are set either in a Starbucks or his local Whole Foods. I'm not strong enough. Here's one such one. I have people say strange things to me all the time. Last night at Walgreens was a new one. I walked up to the counter with my bag of ice and ace bandage for my love, and the girl at the register didn't say anything like, did you find everything all right, or even hello. She looked at me and said, are you a guru? I was so confused by this. I didn't know what to say. Luckily, the guy behind me chimed in. I don't know if he's a guru, but he looks like a young Richard Gere. <laughs> uh, thanks, I said. I bet you've heard that before, he chuckled. I have. I turned back to the girl and said, Did you ask me if I was a guru? Yeah, she smiled, ringing up the order. What did you mean by that? I don't know. The way you dress and carry yourself, I guess. You seem like a guru. Ah, he's smart and wise, all right, the guy behind me chimed in again. I felt like I was on candid camera. Well, thanks, I guess. Then and only then did she notice my Tibetan amulet and ask me about it. I explained it a bit. See, you're totally a guru. She handed me my bag. Well, I hope you have a wonderful night and happy holidays to all of you. The guy turns around to the line behind us and says loudly, See, isn't he the best? The line cheered. Oh my god. Going to bed, it was just the afterglow of seeing my children that people p were picking up on. But damn, that was odd. Yeah, that was odd. You saying people don't talk like that? Oh my god, I, I, I want to try the therapy that this guy's getting. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is this? I have to have some. Oh my god, I, I can't overstate how many of these there are. He has his own subreddit. Oh, I bet. Uh, oh, I bet. For people posting his little, his little life stories. Uh, here's a quick one. Okay. Uh, this one may be my favorite. <laughs> I was standing in Safeway browsing exotic cheeses of all things, when it felt like I was being watched, and I was. It was some college girl just staring at me. I smiled at her, and then went back to looking at smoked cheeses. I've been watching you, she said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kinda just busted you doing that. 
You walk like a jaguar. <laughs> you look at everything with alien eyes. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's kind of poetic. So are you, and I'm pretty sure you're not of this world. You're not like anyone else in this entire store. Thanks, oh I God. think. Bye-bye, alien jungle cat. She smiled, waved, and walked away. Huh. <laughs> Summer can do strange things to people. Do you remember? That has 88 likes. Do you, do you remember when the internet was obsessed with lucid dreaming? <laughs> yeah. This feels like... This feels like posts of people talking about their lucid dreams. I've got one more I want to okay. read. Okay, okay. That really, to me, brings it all home. Okay. But it's like, uh, one of the comments sums it up very well. It just says, when you write fan fiction about your own life. Yeah, okay. I'm ready. So this is the last one. The kid walked over to me with a balloon. That's how it starts. The kid walked over to me okay. with a balloon tied to his wrist. I'm guessing he was seven or eight. Missing some baby teeth, cowlick frayed wildly from the back of his head, reminded me of a modern-day Pinocchio with how he dressed. Uh, are you a wizard? Uh, what? I looked over at his mom, and she waved and smiled. Why are you a wizard? He asked again. I thought I'd have fun with it. <laughs> Why are you a little kid? He laughed with a contagious richness only a child can possess. I was born that way, he said. Then maybe I was too. I laughed and he laughed even louder <laughs> while he sat down beside me. You smell like cookies, he said. <laughs> like chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> no, like like sugar cookies in the oven. Fru's dying. I can see Fru, and she's just dying through all of this. I want you to know that, dear listener. We're not even halfway. Oh, no! This is actually awful. If you were a wizard, you'd have cookies. Who said I didn't? I laughed because I had a pack of cookies in my pocket that I brought in case anyone was asking for food on Mill Avenue. Obviously. We'll have to talk to your mom about that. Yeah, I asked her about you being a wizard, and she said I could come over and ask you. She'd let me have a cookie, I think. Do you like music? I love music, he smiled. Sometimes I like music so much it drives me out of my mind. Like a song makes me crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty great, I smiled. Do you like TV? See, I'm a bit different from other kids, he announced proudly. They all like video and TV, and I, I like to read. Oh, I see. That is a bit different. Mm -hmm. I trailed off, wondering where to go with this precocious conversationalist. Yeah, sometimes I feel different, too, but it's okay. He looked a little reflective. You know what that means? Not yet, I don't. He looked up at me. It means you were made to love magic. His smile consumed his face. He laughed and spun around. I think you might be right. He stuck up his finger in the air like a cartoon, making a visual point. Oh my god! I think I might. So, you want to ask your mom about that cookie? Sure. He ran to his mom excitedly, and I paced behind him. I wanted to check with you before giving your son these cookies. I told him if he was a wizard, he'd have cookies. He smells like cookies, Mom. Uh, sure, that's fine, she said, blushing with a smile. <laughs> Oh. Here you go. Oh, no. I handed him the two-pack of big chocolate chip cookies. And what do you say, Jared? 
Thank you for the magic cookies. You're most welcome, Jared. I knelt down. Now, always remember your love of music and books. They'll help you and guide you forever, and also, when in doubt, choose kindness above all. Oh my god. Wow. He sighed, and I stood up, turned about, and walked away. See, Mom? He's a wizard, just like I said. Oh my god. You might be right about that, Cookie Head. She laughed, opening the packet, while he bounced the balloon with his hand over and over again. Oh my god. I hate this. Jared, you little cookie head. <laughs> it took all of my effort not to scream in agony while reading that. Every time? Okay, so when you asked, do you like TV? In my head immediately, Pavlovian, I went, do you like gladiators, Timmy? Yeah, no, I was thinking that too. <laughs> I was thinking of Airplane. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh, yeah, see, when I go on sabbatical, when my mind officially breaks, and I go mm -hmm. run a rampage, I hope I get put in what this guy did. That's amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Self-actualization oh, did a number on that guy. Whoa. Holy and crap. And across those four stories, number one, so, across those four stories... Two, one is set at Walgreens, the other is Safeway, so he has access to two. I know for a fact, in other ones, he's at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. So he shops around. Yeah, yeah. Across all four stories, we have him being compared to a guru, Richard Gere, a wizard, an alien jungle cat, and Lucifer. I don't like, I don't like any of that. I don't, I don't, I feel like, oh my god, I feel like I'm being... Uh, I feel like I'm being pranked. I feel like I'm being, like, pulled into the beginnings of an ARG. It's horrible. The vibes are so off. I hate this man. I hate him a lot. When I see him in the street, yeah. it's on site. Right there. We're going down. You, so you'll you'll know him when you see him? Just like... he's gonna look like a young Richard Gere? No, I was gonna say because he looks like the devil. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so go go look up uh, Shiverbert Creepstein. Look... Uh, I'm just trying to triangulate where this man exists because Safeway's a regional chain. Is that right? It's Vaughn's in California. Um, I can tell you that he lives, if we want to triangulate this, uh, he lives within the range of where peregrine falcons <laughs> are found. Because in another story, he sees a peregrine falcon. I really had to tell myself for a second that you were not talking about a peregrine falcon and that you were talking about peregrine falcons <laughs> i sorry no, that was quite the picture in my head i was very dumb for one second i was like oh i need to consult audubon hold on <laughs> look i used to i used to deliver mail in a fancy part of tigered organ could be there could be there all those There's stores a lot are of right there young looking richard gears oh yeah oh yeah could have been right there. I just, like, you know, I feel like I grew out of the phase of writing fake stories on Facebook to look cool. Why not just write fan fiction? Or, or just write. Yeah. Yeah. That's also a thing you can do. Guy clearly has ideas. Not sure if they're good ones, but they're ideas. Do you think he could have written that one-act play you saw? Or It wasn't one-act. It was... Two very long acts. I see. I went in there without a chip on my shoulder that I now have. 
I'm a changed fruit. Well, that's show and tell. That was show and Everyone go put an apple on teacher's desk. <laughs> Yay! Uh, we're going to move on to the wild card. Gotcha, bitch. It's a wild card. And, and today's teaching TikTok. We're back. Yeah, this is our first recurring wild card. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, as a good co-host, I, I have brought a menu to Murph to peruse before our uh, episode today. And I brought you uh, Cake Gate, British Chinese Takeaway, and Water Talk. And all of those terrified me by their name alone. Yes. Because those could mean anything. Th- yes. I... I ultimately chose Water Talk because I was hoping it was going to be like the Pro ZD skit. No, it, sadly, sadly, um, like Pro Z and not like Pro Z in all the ways that you're not expecting. As usual, I've brought a TikTok for you. This one I find okay. to be pretty, pretty uh, eponymous. Not eponymous. That's like the namesake. This is TikTok Tonya Hart, Bubblegum Water Heart Heart. Tag me when you make it. And so. Murph, Murph is candidly watching the TikTok I've sent him. This is, uh, of course, user taking my life back at 42. Her name is Tanya. She's a nice lady from Oklahoma. And uh, in her Tumblr today, she's mixing up some bubblegum water with uh, some flavor packets and sharing the recipe with her followers. Murph, how are we feeling? This woman's, like, intense the way your, like, mom's friend at a birthday is intense. Yes. She's infectious. Or no, no, your friend's mom. Yes. Definitely. And so if you take a look at the comments of this TikTok, it's a pretty long one, but when you take a look at the comments, all of the comments, the search bar is cotton candy water, of course. Yeah. But all the all the comments, just drink water. This is not water. As much as this weirds me out, I can't stop watching. So America core, I have to get out of America. I drink this every day, except the only ingredient I'm using is water. This is juice. <laughs> You should try a smoothie with water and fresh fruit. Europeans watching this. Eye emoji. Lip emoji. Eye emoji. Okay. Let me tell you why this is incorrect. You can't get glasses of water in Europe. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I did experience that a little bit too. You you order water at a restaurant. They're going to bring you mineral water or something with a little bit of flavor in it. The really trendy places I went to in London, they did bring me a carafe of water. It is happening. They are learning. It, it wasn't iced, but... Yeah, she's just mixing together, like, various syrups and Splendas to get a specific flavor. I don't see so... anything wrong with that. So... Oh, wait, I have a quick story. Okay, okay. Uh, two years ago, I had started my current job, mm-hmm. uh, and we were doing summer. We were, we were customer service, so we got beat up the most during peak season. And so the rest of the office, like, tried to make us feel good by giving us treats and things. Oh, yeah. Uh, Someone brought in, like, a thing of Kool-Aid packets. Oh! Now, I had never done Kool-Aid before. Oh, no. We were, uh, my my house was very, like, strictly outright anti the popular kid, like, sugary food things. So I thought you took the (gasps) Kool-Aid packet and that was good for one cup of water. Oh, no. So I mixed that in to my cup, strawberry flavor, and I was drinking it and I was like, this... Boy, this is this doesn't really taste like strawberry. It's kind of like like just sweet, but also tart. And my my boss said, "Did you mix it in a pitcher?" Pitcher, <laughs> and, yeah. 
you accidentally did the exact same thing that Americans were making fun of a British girl for doing earlier this year, where she tried to say, mm-hmm. Americans are disgusting. Look at this. It stains your skin. It's so bad. Yeah. You're supposed to dilute. And everyone in the comments just said, pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> so is this the extent of water talk? It's just, so... we need to get back to drinking normal water. So water talk is... <laughs> So this is really weird because this is another one of those cases where niche community gets noticed by virtue of the algorithm and then a huge consumer culture forms around it and just starts rage baiting everybody. Tanya, user taking my life back at 42, she's like a genuine user of Water Talk. Like she's an actual like, so I did a little bit of digging. She is a motivational fitness influencer. She's down like 220 plus pounds. She's come a long way in her weight loss journey. Content warning real quick. We're talking weight loss, diet culture, also like surgical Mm. weight loss as well. Um, Ah, So real quick content warning. Skip to the next time if you want to move past that. Or based on the content warnings for later on in this episode, you might just want to stop listening. So, Tanya is really upfront. She got a bariatric surgery. She was high risk, and so she got a surgery. And after that, what they don't tell you is that you need to drink three to four quarts of water a day after your surgery. Oh, yeah. But, makes sense. A lot of people, a lot of patients who've undergone bariatric surgery, suffer from water nausea and that is just a response your body has and doctors still do not fully understand why but water sits in your gut and it hurts to drink so the answer to this is flavor packets and your doctors and nutritionists will tell you flavored water just drink flavored water because that's how you're going to get your four quarts a day so this is a really niche community of because not just that but like you can see a lot of Water Talk users are using uh, skinny mixes, which are mixed syrups by uh, Skinny Girl. They do the skinny coffee. Yep. They do the skinny coffee and they're all zero calorie, zero everything, just artificial everything in it. And they're big amongst fitness people, all sorts of people in different parts of their weight loss journeys. Or even if they're not in a weight loss journey, it's just kind of like a better way to indulge without indulging. So you Mm -hmm. are coming upon... A huge intersection of diet culture, which is really sensitive for a lot of people. And then a lot of these people are like, also like, I'm not just going to buy flavor packets. I'm going to buy boxes and boxes and boxes of flavor packets and set up a drink bar with an ice maker. And I have like 40 of these Stanley tumblers, which cost 60 bucks each. And just the overconsumption influencer lifestyle of TikTok. And also, as usual... People like to call women dumb on the internet. It's just a thing that people do. So it just turns into, this is stupid. You are dumb. Why do you call it water? When I've never seen anyone, like, seriously call it water. I will will admit my first thought on, on seeing this woman was, oh, I bet she has, like, a fun pizza recipe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like... It's actually sw- slices of watermelon with <laughs> with feta cheese and cherry tomatoes as the it's, as the pepperoni. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Those do exist. They exist far more inside of TikTok that I'm glad have not blessed my for you page. But 
Mm-hmm. This is a weird case of the internet, once again, not really knowing how to criticize things they don't like. Mm-hmm. Because instead of actually yeah. like engaging with something and being like, why are you doing this? Maybe reflect on it. Like, when did, like, try or, like, taste test or I'm gonna try this for the first time? Like, when did that really start? I feel like that was, like, 2011 specifically. Those feel like late thousands, early 2010s YouTube to me. Yeah. And I think there is a feeling of, like, you know what? Not everyone has had the same life experiences. Yeah. So. Yeah. How you come. I I discovered the other day that there's a whole community of YouTube that's, like, Listening to Bohemian Rhapsody for the first time. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a thing. Where it's just people who are just discovering things for the first time. Things are not as ubiquitous as you think they are. And, and that's the thing. It was like, you can't just tell people, just drink water. Yeah. And if you're coming at, at to something with your adult, like, sensibilities and points of references, yeah, some things are going to look a bit silly if they're intended primarily for children yeah if they're intended for children like this is again niches reaching the wrong audience yeah if your reaction to like oh this this kool-aid is a bit too sweet like i can feel it staining my teeth as i'm seeing i've been watching another one that's titled like water talk people don't cancel me you can live laugh love your flavored water all day long and i will support you yeah oh where she is this lady is drinking nerds drink mixes which i did not know was a thing i didn't know half of these were a thing yeah uh but she's like oh oh that's so sweet and it's like yeah it's made for children children have like higher sugar tolerance yeah and that's and again it's the crazy thing it's like you don't just because you have not experienced these things before doesn't mean that other people have it. it these are like people discovering like utah girls and their dirty soda all over again yeah where it's like, oh, you put dairy in your soda? That's disgusting. It's just weird, yeah. judgy people. The, the 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 pilk. Yeah, the pilk. <laughs> you know, I was um for two years I swore off soda, and to uh to help me with that was I uh I got a soda stream, and I started doing like the little Mio droplets. Oh yeah. And that was that was my soda because you know what? All I really wanted was carbonation and a sort of fruity flavor. You didn't want a Lacroix. No. You you didn't turn into a Lacroix girly. No. I like flavor. <laughs> do you do you remember the first time you actually drank like or may, you know what? Again, not all experiences universal. I was going to be like, remember the first time you were an adult and you tasted like tonic water for the first time? Because I assume that's a thing adults drink. And no child would. I mean, I was like in middle school the first time I tried tonic water. I don't remember how that happened, but I remember being like, "Man, club soda—that's like an adult drink," because it was always in like cartoons as the adult drink. Yeah. And then like, then you find out it's a mixer. There was club soda in my my grandparents' fridge, so I was like, "Oh, I'll have the adult drink." No. And I was like, "This tastes hellish. <laughs> it's terrible. It's so bad." You know, that brings me to a horrible Murph lore question I've never asked. I've never seen you drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. What about tea? I don't drink tea. Is it just soda? Mm. See, I don't under... See, you're blowing my mind right now. No, I'm, uh, you know, I like my, I like my juices, uh, you know, I'm... I'll have a uh, I'll have a diet cola in the morning, that's my caffeine, but I, when I was a little boy... Um, my mother took me to preschool 
on her uh, work campus. They had a preschool. And that's where I went. And every morning before preschool, we would stop in the campus coffee shop and she would get her coffee. And the smell of that place made me horrible, horribly noxious. Nauseous. And I associate bad memories with the smell of coffee. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I have regrets bringing up the mer floor. Oh, no. So I just, I just don't drink coffee. I'll have a hot cocoa. My sister tries to get me to drink tea. See, I was the opposite. My friend, like my, my parents had a friend babysit me when I was like, when I was a toddler and she tried to give me soda and I tried it and I went, nope. And it was like that until I was 12 and got bad FOMA with all my friends drinking energy drinks. When I was in high school, all my uh, aunts and uncles would send me Starbucks gift cards <laughs> for my habit that I didn't have. Your habit! So I pawned those to other kids. Oh my gosh. Okay. That was that was my teaching TikTok moment this week. So so what what's on the menu for, for the main topic this week? Get on with it. Well, on the menu, uh, we have sandwiches and deforestation so dear listener <laughs> this is probably so far like the most internet-y episode we've done so far like par- almost like parallel with the with the creepypasta episode yeah this is some internet lore where either you know it or you don't so, like just flat out there's not shades of association with what this is right uh, it is it is a known internet character, let's say. Okay, content warning at the start. Yeah. Content warning. This episode deals in uh, fetishes and kinks and commissioning art thereof. It's not any fetish or kink that you will recognize or even understand, but that is the, the, the topic. Uh, it also deals in some, some shades of white nationalism. And some general yicky feelings. <laughs> um, and that's just, just where I'm going to have to say it. Uh, trigger warning food. All right. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. Okay. There is a, a the Wonder Bread guy. The Wonder Bread guy. Who is known primarily, I think the time range is more in like the 2014, 2016 range for commissioning hundreds of drawn pictures of blonde women making Wonder Bread sandwiches and or destroying the environment in the process thereof. That is, and you're probably thinking to yourself, what? And that is the general uh, response. Yeah. His DeviantArt, where he posted all of these commissions, got deleted for reasons we'll get into, but I cannot oversell the, uh, the scope and the implied cost of all this commissioned art, blonde women with Wonder Bread sandwiches, specifically Wonder Bread sandwiches, and deforestation. Now, I'm going to assume you, like I, found out about this guy from the same Tumblr post that went viral. Oh, gosh. And that would have been when I was still using Tumblr in college, and that blog is deleted. But I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's where, because like when you, I feel like this suddenly came back for me at Thanksgiving and I texted you that there was a, a competing, <laughs> there was a competing Thanksgiving parade mm-hmm. 
but you told me about the Wonder Bread float and I had no idea what was going on. And it like when you brought it back to me, I was just catapulted back to like 2016. Yeah. So there's a famous Tumblr post that begins like, I I don't have it up in front of me, but it's like que- a person questioning their moral fiber and then like bringing up like I just got a commission, like a hundred and fifty dollar commission from the Wonder Bread guy. Yeah. And people were responding, who? Who is that? And the person went on to say, like, you don't know about the Wonder Bread guy? This guy that commissions artists for this very specific thing? Yeah. And then it's just sort of people adding information from there. Uh, One user added on, like, several paragraphs being like, no, I had a conversation with this guy, and this is his entire life, is Wonder Bread and deforestation. <laughs> And that's how I'm going to assume most people know it, because it's been, like, reposted on Reddit and Twitter and stuff, this specific, like, Tumblr post. Mm-hmm. Though the Wonder Bread guy, he, we do know who he is. He did get doxxed. I'm not going to, like, bring any of that up. I don't even really want to bring up his username. Yeah. Because he has a habit of Googling himself. Oh, yeah. But according to him, because he's done several ra- AMAs, he got, like, famous, like, towards the end of 2016, when people, like, cottoned on. Mm-hmm. This is what he was doing. And he got and he had his moment of internet fame and he decided to use that to like get people to interview him about it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, trigger warning, I'm just gonna read what the description is for his very first deviant art commission. Ah, yes. I also have this quoted. This is this is off the Know Your Meme page for him. Also my main my main source. Uh this went up like in twenty sixteen, featuring the character Asami from uh, Legend of Korra, who is a prominent fi- figure in this man's life, and the character of Winter Schnee from Rooster Teeth's Ruby, which somehow keeps getting brought up on this podcast. Yeah. And this is just... I, we, obviously, you can't see the picture, but I will read what the commission was. This is what he wanted commissioned. Mm-hmm. Asami and Winter decide to create gender roles for themselves. Winter stays at home and does all the cooking and cleaning. However, since that is a huge job, she also has the authority to intimidate, abuse, and berate all the other slaves who do that anyway. Winter just wants extra brownie points. Meanwhile, Asami begins to treat Winter not as a person, but as property, as she frequently demands her to work around the clock nonstop to fulfill her every first world problem. For instance, Asami has the food palate of a five-year-old. She refuses to eat anything that isn't spongy and soft, like bleached factory-sliced Wonder Bread. She also wants her white bread drenched in mayonnaise to help fulfill that stereotype of being a white supremacist who wishes to exterminate all subhuman waterbenders, Korra being on that list. Again, we trigger warning. Winter obediently begins to production of hundreds of Wonder Bread sandwich factories, tirelessly pumping the air around them with copious amounts of CO2. Now, that may seem like a lot. It's, it, it might. To be fair... When you commission, they tend to like it when you add in as much detail as possible. So right. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. No, I think that's general internet etiquette for, for you know, creating commissions. We want to capture the mood of what you want. Um, so that's the very first, like, known piece of art he threw up. Right. And then it escalated from there. When asked about why... Yeah. He has a default answer oh yeah and it's 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 magically feminist 
just like just like the Jackass yeah. series of films. It's accidentally feminist. It is also a lot, and I don't really know. Like he, this is like genuinely, he has done AMAs on Reddit. He has done them on Kiwi Farms on his Discord that he has, um, and he continually invites people to. Yeah, here if, if I have it up. Would you like me to read the copy-paste answer he has? Please do. And again, this is always in response of like, what, what, what do you get out of this? Why this? What, where, what's the point here? Yeah. And this is what he consistently always says. It's a parallel on how normally society identifies negative stereotypes, but they only ever stereotype it in a certain way that fits their narrative. Let me explain it like this. How often do you watch cartoons or animation of any variety where they decide to do an episode where the theme of the episode is about spreading either an environmental message or they create a character for the sole purpose of helping to spread an environmental message? When people, animators, writers, whatever, feel the need to make plots like this their archetype of choice on how they write the episode, let's draw a white, tall, shady-looking, sometimes fat, depends on how cartoonish the show is, billionaire, one-dimensional character who doesn't care or think about the long-term consequences for his actions because as long as it continues to make money, he doesn't give a shit. They have been making this one type of character in the industry for years. I am so sick of seeing characters like this, not because it's a bad character type, but because it's demonized to where people start to think, man, why would they ever draw a female equivalent to a character like this? It just doesn't exist. And yeah, it's hard how in the real world you need to really think about if such if such a character like this could ever exist in the real world, which is probably why it's so easy to make a character like they have been making for that feels like forever now in the cartoon world because that one character can represent either one type of person that fits the narrative or a whole group of people that could fit that narrative. I'm just saying we live in a world where a female equivalent of this character I'm describing is very rarely seen, so I wanted to bring more attention to this fact by making more of them. In the industry, I can name every example of what I am describing because maybe off of one hand, Dr. Blight from Captain Planet, Gladys Sharp from Over the Hedge, Iboshi from Princess Mononoke. Man, I give to P- I gotta give to PBS props for introducing what I am talking about right now in their show, Wild Kratz, with their newest eco-villain, Paisley Paver, whose gimmick is she wants to see the world completely paved and tarred and every forest on the planet be made into toothpicks. This show has now hit the spiritual successor mark to Ted Turner's Captain Planet because Paisley is now the modern Dr. Blight. That's his copy-paste response. Number one. Yeah. At no point did I get an explanation there. No. And there was also no, mm, there's like one period. Yes. Number two, I did not know that the show Wild Kratz on PBS was a follow-up to Zabumafu. Oh. It's the Krat Brothers. Yeah, that makes sense. Just had I had to Google who that was, and I was like, wait a minute. Oh, Zabumafu. This... This this AMA, Ask Me Anything on Reddit, also has my favorite response from a deleted account who originally hit, oh, his question was, is this a feedism thing? Which feedism is, of course, a fetish consisting of people eating, being able to feed yes. someone and watching them eat. After this very long explanation, he just replies, I too have a feminism fetish. <laughs> Yeah. It's a lot to take in. Like, I want, like, an English professor to break down this copy-paste response and, like, try to understand what he is trying to communicate. Like, I get I get what he is trying to communicate. I do not get how it answers the question. Yeah. I feel like his other copy-paste, his other copy-paste almost in, 
informs it more. He seems like almost like afraid or cagey to say like just outright, yeah, this is this is spank material, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, because like okay, so the other the other copy paste is a lot of people ask, where did this start? I have like five origin stories. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people are like. What's the most important part? That's the one that, like, this one is. Um, God, I have nothing against this. I'm so curious. What's the most important part of it? The buying of the bread, the bread itself, the woman buying it, the excessive price, the excessive amount of bread. I understand. I guess that's, those are those are also two details that usually come in the commissions is that the bread is usually really expensive. The woman has bought yeah. all of it and is filling a cart. Yes, and will say, like, oh, the Wonder Bread is, like, $5,000 yeah. a loaf. To which he responds... My first job was called Bounty Farm, which was found, uh, funded and supervised by an organization referred to as Petaluma People Services Center. Please do not... Hi, Fru here. Do not... T- do, do, there is a Google review giving this place one star because Wonder Bread Guy worked here. Don't be that dummy. <laughs> I hate people. Yes. I met my now ex-girlfriend at this place when I was finally ready to go to her old apartment in Ronert Park and she let me touch her tits. While we watched Howl's Moving Castle, they reminded me of Wonder Bread since I was trying to pinpoint what the texture of breasts reminded me of the most and Wonder Bread came the closest. Do you remember that scene in 40-Year-Old Virgin? It feels like a bag of sand. Bag of sand! I forgot Howl's Moving Castle was a part of this story. Oh, we all have a Ghibli comfort movie, don't we? I have also seen, he has been, he has been interviewed on podcasts. We're not going to interview him. No. But... He, where he gave more of an explanation because they kept, like, like needling him on it. And he said, like, if he had to be honest, do you remember the episode of Dexter's Laboratory where Dexter and Dee Dee are punished and they have to sleep in each other's rooms? No. And and Dexter is, like, in Dee Dee's room, like, uh, freaked out by all her gir- girly toys, and he's, like, panicking, thinking about her going into the lab and destroying things with a giant mallet. Oh, right. Okay. He said that, like, was the awakening. The the idea of a, a blonde, pretty woman destroying things. Okay, see, now, the, but that's a, that's with, a tangible- With reckless abandoned. Like, that's an actual, like, tangible link to a more substantial, like, known, known, and that, that's not to invalidate, because it yep. literally sounds like I'm invalidating it. I guess that has to get to, like, the actual crux of my argument, which is that this is an elaborate bit, and we've just caught a man who keeps doubling down. Okay, yes. Do we just want to get to that? <laughs> maybe, maybe we do, or else it just sounds like I'm horribly king the only other or- The only other origin story is that he had a crush on Dr. Blight from Captain Planet. And you know what? Who didn't? Go back and look at the Captain Planet voice cast. It was bizarrely stacked. At least in season one, you got John Ratzenberger, Jeff Goldblum, Dean Stockwell, Whoopi Goldberg. Dr. Blight was voiced by Meg Ryan. Oh, yeah. Tim Curry. Yeah. Oh, my God. Martin Sheen as Sly Sludge. Anything to save the planet. Sting was in everything, though. He was in The Simpsons. Um, Okay, so getting to kind of like, we, you know, we were doing our research and I came to you and said, like, you know, I've got a lot of examples. I've got a lot of AMAs. What is the angle here? Right. And you parted the clouds for me and said, this guy is doing a bit. Yes, because, oh my gosh. I What did I write in my notes? I said, it's written too blatantly like an SNL writer shit post. Like, just his, like, just the, uh, and I think this was in response to the Asami and Winter piece that he originally had done. 
Yeah. Where it's so, like, to help fulfill the stereotype of being a white supremacist who wishes to exterminate all subhuman waterbenders. Like, clearly outlining the things that you want to, like, satirize about. Almost it feels... I swear, there... There's like there's, there's something like, here, and there is like there are like fossilized footprints, yeah, in the dirt, yeah, that lead somewhere, but I don't know where because the city they lead to has been destroyed by sand and time, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I think I think there is I think because here's the here's what I could hunk up on, yeah, is like the the fact he keeps popping up mm-hmm. and the persona is relatively consistent yeah. and also just the cost of all the commissions the supposed cost of all the commissions if it's not himself doing the art and if it's not like his friends doing the art and if he's not just lying because who would go on yeah, the internet lying about and lie? his financial situation cuz he has said on like other AMAs that like he is close to broke and destitute he came from like a crack house you know uh, he also has like gone on rants that any commission over $50 is too much but we also we also have you know evidence that he's done commissions upwards of like two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, and that's there's just there's some weird inconsistent things. Yeah. So his his deviant art got deleted. His account got deleted because of that Tumblr post. Because people were like, "Oh my god, this guy's doing white supremacist things with his commissions." Yeah. And like you know probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so they they noted they flagged his account and it got deleted and that got him a ton of sympathy points with with right wing horny dudes yeah who are like oh he just ha- he's not hurting anybody it's just a fetish sure but you know you go on his Twitter you go on his Twitter you go on his his revived deviant art you go on any of his like places where he's not just copy pasting the same response boy howdy he really comes across like an alt right like crazy white, person white yeah white supremacist like you know his last five twitter posts were all like transphobic memes and things when when people say it's just a fetish like i hate to be extremist but like this is fetish content but like so is so are snuff films <laughs> mm, like yeah a lot when literally when we are talking about fetish and kink content you are talking about depravity and taboo like that those are those are whole concepts in which this revolves. Like, yes, clearly, clearly it's a fetish, but we can still have some, like, you can have, like, the clarity and the morals and the ethics, you know, they, they can they can come intervene at some point. <laughs> That's allowed. Yeah, my, my, I think my take is that it is a fetish. Sure. He, he's been trying to spin it as something, like, bigger and make himself into an object worthy of attention beyond that. That could be. It's like, you know, you may be asking, why would you want negative attention? It's like, son, any attention is good attention if you're an attention whore. And the internet loves a dumpster fire. They love Mm -hmm. being associated with notoriety, with infamy. Yeah. The, The amount of people who are like, oh, yeah, I know him. He's just a normal guy. And it's like, okay, so then why do you humor it? Why do you care? That that's the huge question that yeah. I always have for these people. 
And I think mm-hmm. that kind of leads us to the earnestness because this is where you and I do deviate, where you do believe that it is a genuine fetish of his. And I just think it's still, I, th- I think it's a bit. I think the whole thing is a bit. But a bit of what? It's still too specific. It's really specific, <laughs> but it definitely seems like something you would come up with off the cuff and then just kind of make it your thing. Mm-hmm. Like you made one little offhanded joke and then you're like, ooh, that's really good. And then he kept doubling down on it. And, you know, it kind of got us into this like greater question of like other sort of internet characters and genuosity. That is a word, right? I, I'm, I'm making it. It is now. Genuosity on the internet. And it's like, you know, I said, my first thing I went to was Tommy Wiseau. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, a lot of the same questions. Is it a bit? Mm -hmm. Where does the money come from? Why are we ignoring the problematic aspects? Yeah, that's the huge one. Because you know what? Tommy Wiseau's current internet persona is like wacky fail movie man. Lovable weird guy. The actual book, The Disaster Artist, Tommy Wiseau's kind of a monster. He's a weird stalker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of different sides to this one story. That and we are only privy to one side of it. Yeah. Another one I went to is Chuck Tingle. Mm. If you don't know who Chuck Tingle is, uh, he is known primarily for these uh, publishing these like you know they're they're really short. They're like ten thousand words at most. Like it quote unquote erotica, but it's like done. We know now it's done for comedy's sake because he does things like pounded in the butt at the Writers Guild <laughs> strike because they deserve higher pay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But you remember when you first learned about Chuck Tingle and you thought it was real? Right, like it's that excitement of, oh, look at the weirdo. Yeah, because his things were, his books were like not as on the nose. They were just so north of strange, like taken by the milk chocolate cowboy. Yeah. Werebear billionaire, you know. Yeah. Seduced by my T-Rex millionaire boss. (laughs) And, you know, it's one of those cases where there is enough fetish art of that that you could, that is done legit, that you could believe it. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the thing. And you could believe it. And, like, the person that I went to, of course, was, like, Belle Delphine, where Mm -hmm. notorious... Notorious e-girl Twitch thought Belle Delphine who, who sold her bathwater. Who sold her bathwater and people are like, oh, like they, how do I do this without a lot of people think that she's really just stupid, which is the weird thing. And it's kind of But she learned how to make bottles of water into a two hundred dollar like product. It's like I don't think Belle's dumb. I think maybe half of the simps are. And I think that's what you're mad about. I think we're too willing to believe in in people's ignorance. Yeah. And that is because, you know, Occam's razor usually skew towards ignorance than malice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was also thinking of, like, a lot of, like, early, early internet things. Mm, like, mm-hmm. like, Numa Numa. Yeah. The Numa Numa guy knows that it's funny. You know? Yeah. He put it up. As, like, seeing, like, here, look at me doing, like, this funny, like, dance. But I remember at the time, like, I was, like, you know, however old when the Numa Numa got big. Yeah. But, see, my thought was, like, oh, this this fat guy doesn't know how silly he looks. Or, 
or Gangnam style. Yeah. Remember oh when my Gangnam God. style was everywhere. And it's like, look at look at these silly, crazy Asians. Or and you know, that's our reaction to a lot of like Asian comedy in general. It's like, yeah, that's the the joke is that it's silly and crazy. That that's the whole that's the whole joke. And like and then there was the entire bit where just American centrism means that we just refuse to believe that there was any kind of satire happening in Gangnam style at all. And it's like, no, that's yeah. That's the whole that's the whole joke. Like they 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 know their own culture. I promise you South Korea knows knows who they are. They're making yeah. fun of themselves. I I, did, I don't know what to tell you. It, I yeah. I wrote in my notes that like the internet is where satire either lives or thro- like lives or dies. Mhm. It very much depends on your exposure to other bullshit stories and your exposure to bullshit stories being outed. Yeah. Sarah Zed who's a YouTuber, has this great video on fake Tumblr stories. She was looking for the Opa Homeless style post. And it turns out that that post and a lot of other really famous like early Tumblr posts of like feminist cringe and stuff like that were effectively like workshopped and put up like, like they're fake. Yeah. They were made specifically for a subreddit, like for Tumblr cringe. Yeah, like they were made by Redditors to make fun of Tumblr yeah. users. I do like that one from Sarah Zed. It's it's really watching kids try to engage with TikTok content is maddening because a lot of times it is just a lot of it takes me like right back to education days where they will just spell out in the contents like Oh, see, I thought you were doing that because you're dumb, but I see now that you're making a joke. And it's just comments like that all the time. Like, the media literacy, which I think will be a reoccurring trend on this show, media literacy Mm -hmm. is not really how, as good as we want it, and it's responsible for a lot of of strife in the world. And, And, you know, it doesn't go beyond, you know, the internet. Like, I've seen people that's like, the message of The Great Gatsby is that it's okay to stalk and obsess over a woman for years. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> no. The point is, fellas, is it gay to be in love with your best friend? <laughs> That's subtext. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to the Wonder Bread guy. Yeah. I think it seems very clear that he has had his five minutes of fame on the internet and is trying to recapture that. Yeah. Um, I cannot tell you like the number of... like threads and videos and things where they're just they're just talking about him and he will show up and be like if you weren't cowards you would like interview me directly i can tell you all about it babe i don't care you're not in this episode it's just about you uh and i think the other thing is you know if we take it that it is not a bit and this is just like a real dude this is his fetish these are his beliefs I, it's just like the scope of the bit is too big for me to believe. Like you can, I scrolled through his Twitter. He is one of those guys that's like posting every five minutes. Ooh, you know? I believe it. When it comes to kink and fetish, your reaction to the individual, we don't like to admit it, but it has a lot to do with whether you agree with that person politically. I like that point. I could engage with even it. if, even if I was like not weirded out by the Wonder Bread Commission's, and the deforestation and stuff. Boy, howdy, I still think he's a creep with some very problematic views. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and I have an example. 
Okay. I have an example of it happening the other way around. Okay. There's a YouTuber I follow who does these great video game uh, essays. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is Shammy. The user is Shammy. Go check go check her out. Okay. She has some great video essays. She, she within the la- at the start of this year, mm-hmm. she came out as trans. Okay. And she even like ended her video like saying, Hey, I'm trans, by the way. On on her Twitter, you can watch this like discovery happen in real time. Okay. And now she is on she is on HRT. She is happier than ever. I cannot overstate like what a to like what a personality shift it has been mm-hmm. for her to to find herself. Uh because like her previous videos always had like every five minutes like a suicide depression joke. Whoo! Now it's now it's I love life, I'm happy to live. Something I have learned through her is that HRT, since it's hormone therapy, mm-hmm. it, in her words, puts you into heat. And so okay. she is frequently getting horny on main. Oh. Uh, and has really gotten into vor. Oh, that's where that's leading. Okay. And so, you know, any given time a week, she is just like reposting vor art she has commissioned of her persona, which is an owl, which makes Ooh. sense. Because owl pellets. And, you know, it said, it, she changed her Twitter bio to say, like, hey, you know, this is now an 18 plus account. Okay. I'm not going to have an alt account. This is me now. Okay. Uh, and, you know, she's lost a lot of followers. She even, like, makes jokes of, like, how, you know, you, you go in non hormones today. Wonder how many followers I'm going to lose in this heat flash. Okay. And, you know, I don't quite understand Vore as a fetish. No. I... But boy, I'm happy for her. Yeah. Because I politically agree with her. <laughs> and if I was looking at it from the other side, if she was like some alt-right weirdo, I would probably be like, look at this alt-right weirdo with the weird fetish. <laughs> I don't know how uh, how much this opens the closet. I don't know how many skeletons you can see in there. Um, it takes a lot to phase me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So if I open Twitter and I see that, I'm like, oh, scrolling. Just keep, 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 keep scrolling. I'm at a point where I follow a user for funsies. I don't get anything out of this, by the way. I know my dad's mm-hmm. listening. I, I told you, we talk about everything here. I love this user with all of my heart. Their name is A.O. Possum. And they do um, cars, human content, like Pixar cars, but as humans. Oh, as humans. Okay, yes, that the whole that's a whole, that's a episode for another time to depict their um their their comic series of Doc and Lightning getting together. Ah, and it's just really funny. Um, they're do they look like Owen Wilson and no? Oh, <laughs> would that be the only thing that would have made you get on get on board? I guess I don't know what Lightning McQueen's human Sona wouldn't would look like other than Owen Wilson. <laughs> but yeah, we're we might we might find out along the way that it takes a lot to phase me. Vor is Vor is certainly a thing, and it is certainly interesting. I think it might take a few more <laughs> factors to 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 make me decide to leave someone behind. And I mm. think you're right on the money that if you agree with someone and generally like them, you're you're going to be way more on board with whatever it is they have to say. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it's the other thing of if it is a, you know, it, if it's a bit, it's like one of those things where it's like the bit is to be a white supremacist. 
Yeah, it comes down to that. Uh, okay, another another uh, example. Many years, I I still watch the game Grumps okay. from time to time. Okay. But I was really into them, like in my senior year of high school, and they did a playthrough of this softcore hentai game called Sakura Spirit. Oh. Where it was it was them and their friend Ross, and they were like reading it out in like funny voices. It's a visual novel. And I said to myself, boy, reading softcore hentai visual novels with your friends and funny voices, that's that's a fun thing to do. That's a fun goof. And so I, uh, oh. you know, next Steam sale, they were selling, like, uh, there are 30 games in this series as of today. Oh. Uh, they were selling, like, five for $3. I bought it because I was like, oh, next, next gathering with the pals? I'm going to, like, suggest this is a thing we do. It never came up because I realized I would have to bring up, hey... I have this softcore hentai visual novel. <laughs> let's 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 read that as as pals, as friends. You can't bring that up with the fellas, can you? But I am also a a I have this thing in my brain where I have to where I have to complete collections. No. So anytime it's like, hey, buy the next five Sakura games. No. I'm like for three dollars, I'm like, yeah. And now I, 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 I'll do that. And maybe someday the bit will happen. <laughs> and you can, you can commit to the bit. I have just become a guy who owns 30 softcore hentai visual novels. <laughs> and I have to see them every time I scroll through my Steam library. <laughs> and they come up every time I'm like with someone and like, oh, let me scroll down to the multiplayer games. Please ignore these 30 softcore hentai visual novels oh my God. i'd explain why i have them but it would take too long and you're gonna judge me the entire time <laughs> how did we get here and get so here? you know what the intent of the bit is lost i am now just a pervert <laughs> <laughs> but we love you anyway murph and we accept you as you are this podcast was a bad idea. <laughs> I didn't know it would take this take this long for you to tell on yourself. <laughs> oh my god. Do you think that uh do 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 you think that wraps up the Wonder Bread guy? I think it it, it did. I think we we had, you know, we've we've put it out there in our listeners' brains that this exists and we got some we got some Good contents and discussions out of it. Mission accomplished. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can find us on thetwingeeks.com and the uh, the Twin Geeks Discord. Uh, but there's some other podcasts on the Twin Geeks you should listen to. The actual Twin Geeks podcast is back, but sans uh, your bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got Calvin, but he's got a rotating uh, panel of guests he brings on for different movies. His most recent one on the Super Mario movie, you should go... You should all go listen to it because he does it with his uh, his daughter Ezra, mm. and she has she has opinions. And Murph, you have another pod. I do. I, I co-host the Daydream Cast, where every uh, episode, me and my co-host Broken, look at a different game of the week. Well, as as long as like as well as like talking about different games we've played in the lead up to that, and uh, different sort of video game topics. Uh, the most recent episode will be on Link's Awakening, which is my second-ish, third-ish favorite Zelda game. Ooh. But probably the one immediately after this episode of the, this podcast is a bad idea goes out, the one after the episode after that will be on a Brutal Legend. Ooh. 
Very starring cool. Jack Black. Looking forward to that. Well, all yeah. anything right. you want to call or plug out, crew? Nah, I'm all called and plugged. Okay, that's just the noble and done. <laughs> there we go. Had a boy. You have 30 of them.